Well, hello and uh, welcome to another packed uh, episode of Pep Talk, the Persuasive Evangelism Podcast. I'm Andy Bannister from the Solar Centre for Public Christianity in Dundee in Scotland, and I'm joined all the way from the other end of the country uh, by my co-host, Christy Mayer. Christy, how are you doing today? Doing very well. Thank you very much, Andy Bannister. How are you? I am pretty good, pretty good. Nothing and another cup of coffee uh, won't solve, although my wife would say you've had enough already. Stop. <laughs> well, she's hidden the chocolate from you as well, hasn't she? So <laughs> you're not having a great day. The new diet has kicked in. So if the energy <laughs> drop off as the show goes, it's the fruit that's doing it. Uh, well, we have a fantastic uh, guest uh, lined up for you uh, today uh, from, uh, well, sort of down the road from where I live in Dundee, about an hour down the road in Edinburgh, uh, we have Duncan Cuthall from Edinburgh City Mission. Duncan, welcome to Pep Talk. Thank you very much. So for those of those folks who've never heard of um, of Edinburgh City Mission uh, in any shape or form, yeah, what is it exactly that the, or, or the organisation does and what particularly do, do you do uh, with them down there at Edinburgh? So our... Mission statement, that's a good place to start, is um, that we're all about stimulating and strengthening the church's mission in Edinburgh. So what that means in practice is coming alongside churches and uh, praying with them, brainstorming with them, dreaming with them about uh, possibilities of how they could reach out into their community to share their faith. Um, and, and the strengthening part is actually helping them with that and being involved, rolling their sleeves up and getting involved with them in doing it as well. Hmm. That, sound, that sounds brilliant. Um, Duncan, what does that, why do you think we actually need organisations that can help help churches to do that? Hmm, that's a good question. <laughs> um, I, I guess churches go through different uh, stages and um, their dynamics of different things come to the surface in different churches at different times and mission can be a priority um, or it can begin to drift down the priority list and that can be to do with leadership, it can be to do with the skill set, it can be to do with various different things that can lead to that happening. And I guess to have an organisation that's there uh, to constantly be provoking that discussion and saying, um, is there the possibility of doing something new, of uh, uh, picking up where we left off a few months ago or a few years ago with some mission that we used to do in our community, uh, I, I think is, is really valuable and can be helpful for, for churches. And we can also play a bit of a coordinating role. So we run a network of nine food banks and we do all the referrals into the food banks. So the referrals come from about 60 different um, referral agencies across the city um, and GPs and social workers and so on as well. And uh, so the referrals come into us and then we then refer out to the food banks, which are all church-based. Um, so we're able to play a role there that it would be quite difficult for one specific local church to do. That makes sense. Mm. Do you know one of the things that's fascinated me about um, about uh, what you folks do is, of course, you know you've got some some key words uh, in the title of the organisation. Edinburgh is obvious because where you're based, but city is interesting. Um, in the I've long suspected there are probably some particular challenges in reaching the inner city you know there are churches in different contexts all across the country but what are some of the particular challenges in 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 reaching into into the inner city are there particular issues particular challenges uh that that christians can face in terms of reaching out with the gospel and if so how is a how does a edinburgh city mission kind of sort of helped churches and christians deal with some of those those challenges 
So, uh, I mean, I've never done a survey of this, but just intuitively I would say that a lot of their churches tend to be in more middle-class areas. And so when you go into housing estates, there tend to be less churches, um, and the ones that there are are often fairly small and, and struggling. So, um, and in Edinburgh, 22% of uh, people are below the poverty line in Edinburgh, um, which is actually slightly above the national average. Uh, so, uh, and then the distribution of that in Edinburgh is actually in a kind of donut shape. So the housing estates, most of them are around the edges of the city. Uh, so that kind of is unusual. Most cities, um, even the phrase that you use, your inner city, most cities have got, you know, an area near the centre or sometimes just quite often east of the centre, the city centre. Uh, but in Edinburgh, it spread right round where housing estates were built to to move people out from the city centre, from the 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 old town, the slums in the old town back in the you know sixteenth uh, and seventeenth century. So um, the challenges that are unique to cities, uh, I guess you know there's a there's also that instinctive aspect of human nature to to be with people who are more similar to yourself, um, and in cities to to spend time with people who uh, live or work in the poorer parts of the city often takes a bit more effort I, I would say for uh, for people to do because um, if, if that isn't our, our, our own background so it's, it's difficult because you know I'm slightly wary of using categories and uh, that type of thing but uh, I think cities present that opportunity as well as that challenge. Hmm. So what do you, if, if someone's listening to this and thinking, you know, oh gosh, I have such a, a heart to, to kind of reach these unreached communities in our cities and they really want to do something. What do you think, um, how could they start? How could they go about kind of exploring that? What might that look like for them? Yeah, I'm grateful for that question because I think uh, if anyone's listening to this, um, my last answer probably left them a bit confused. <laughs> so, <laughs> so thanks for providing me with a question that's a bit more practical. Um, th- th- there are things going on. I think um, we, in Edinburgh City Mission, we want to encourage people to do things in their own local church, um, but also to take an interest and pray for and uh, be supportive of what's going on in other churches across the city. Uh, and so I guess the first step is making yourself aware uh, what is there around you that's already happening that you could jump on board with. Um, and there's various ways that you can that you can do that. But organisations like Edinburgh City Mission, we very happily point people in Edinburgh in the right direction. You know, if they contact us and say, where, where, where can we help in the city? We can point them in the right direction to, to a church or to another organisation or, or whoever. Um, so I think finding out would be finding out what's going on would be the first step in that, Chrissy, I would say. Hmm. You know, I'm very struck, um, Duncan, that, that figure you gave of, of 22% below the poverty line is just an absolutely staggering figure when you sort of process it and, and compute, mm-hmm. you know, because, you know, behind that statistic are, are families and lives and individuals who are, who are really struggling. And I suppose that, that raises an interesting question, right, to go – you know, I'm sort of struck by that. You know, that uh, the Book of James. You know, in the in the New Testament, it sort of talks about the fact. You know, as Christians, we can't just wander up to people and say, "Oh, you're you're hungry. Never mind. You know, be blessed. Jesus loves you." We've actually got to get down, roll our sleeves up, and get involved 
with folks. So how does how does sort of trying to make a difference around poverty and actually helping practically with some of those issues and evangelism fit together? Are they, are they totally different? Are they the same aspects of the same thing? Because I know for a long time, you know, parts of the church have perhaps struggled to fit together, you know, social concern and evangelism and, you know, there's a whole range of issues there. But just practically in Edinburgh with what you folks are doing, um, where do you where do you sort of stand on that? And how, would a, how does the church need to respond to some of the practical issues as well as, you know, the spiritual ones, I guess? Yeah, well, so I suppose one of the starting points for me is that is just... Um, facing up to the reality of that, that that is not acceptable. It isn't acceptable for there to be 22% of people below the poverty line um, in Edinburgh. And um, as as Christians, we believe in a God of justice. Um, and, you know, a very simple definition of justice is setting things right. So if we start by saying that's not right, <laughs> um, people should be able to feed and clothe themselves that that should be a given um and to feed and clothe their families um and if they can't then as christians we've got a job to do um we have to get involved we've got to do something because uh if we're going to reflect god's nature back into society um as well as pointing people to christ as well as telling them about the reason why we do it but if we're going to reflect that back into society, then, then I think we have to do something. <laughs> and that, that's such an important point that you're making there, Duncan. I was just thinking, what would you say to people who might think, oh yeah, I see that God is a God of justice, but primarily this is for the church community, for the church family, um, not so much for kind of public society and um, elsewhere. How would you, yeah, how would you kind of um, persuade, what kind of things would you want to say to someone who might be thinking that as they, they hear about the, the great work that you're doing? Uh, well, I would probably go on and on too much about theology. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, you know, in the Old Testament, so God has a special people, has Israel chosen for himself, but God's plan was always to bless the nations. Um, and so that the, the outsider... Um, was always part of God's plan, and, and there's special provision made all through the Old Testament um, for for the outsider, for the the fatherless, for the widow, for the poor, uh, for the sick. Um, that, that that's all through the Old Testament, and then again we see that um, really evidently in in Jesus' life um, that he 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 made a special place for those who were poor and was, you know, was poor himself. <laughs> you know, Mary and Joseph would present him at the temple, present two doves rather than a lamb and a dove um, and because they couldn't afford a lamb. You know, so in the Old Testament, that's that's the directive, uh, a lamb and a dove. But if you can't afford it, then two doves. So his parents couldn't afford that. Um, he was a refugee. Uh, uh, the son of man had nowhere to lay his head. You know, he was homeless, you know. And, and that's the Jesus that we follow. <laughs> so I think there has to be something about us coming alongside uh, people who, who who have got more difficulties or challenges or problems than we have ourselves that reflect something of Jesus uh, himself and who he was and how he uh, ministered. Oh, this, is, this is great, Duncan. You know, one of my... One of my kind of missionary heroes for, for many years has been Leslie Newbegin, oh, um, yes. not so well known today as perhaps he should be. 
and uh, you know Anglican uh, pastor out there in, uh, in in India for many years. And you know he commented once. I remember on this kind of sort of you know the facts that that they as a as a as a group as, as a mission were both caring for for people's kind of practical needs and preaching the gospel. And he said. One reason we did that is it just made a massive, massive difference that the people who heard us in church on Sunday knew that we were the people who were healing their sick, feeding the poor, and the credibility that it gained uh, when we then preached uh, was something tremendous. And I do think there's almost there's I almost think there's perhaps at times we miss the fact that there's, there's, there are aspects of the gospel that do need to be tasted. Jesus did say to Christians, "Be salt and light." And in one sense, I suppose if people aren't seeing that you're light and aren't sort of tasting that you're salty, is there a sense to which they're going to say, well, this Christianity thing isn't for me unless actually I can see what love looks like in action? Yeah, I mean, uh, in Edinburgh, we've got uh, two statues in the city centre. You might be familiar with uh, Thomas Chalmers on George Street. And then if you walk down from his statue to Princess Street, then um, there's a statue of Thomas Guthrie in Princess Street Gardens. So these two statues face each other, um, both towering figures of the 19th century, um, Christians who who married the two who married um, preaching the gospel and caring for the poor. Um, and uh, so when, when the church was at its, its uh, zenith, if you like, in Scotland, um, social action was, was an integral part of being a Christian. Um, that that was just taken as a given, almost, you know, or or at least the leaders promoted that, and the people followed um, down that route, you know. So uh, I I think we need to recover that, maybe um, develop that, expand that in our own um, lives and practice now. Yeah, I'm um I'm conscious as well as, as we come into our last five minutes. Or so we we've covered. Quite a little bit, I suppose, of theory in the last uh, kind of twenty minutes, and talked about some of the, you know, some of what's underpinned the motivation of what you folks do at Edinburgh City Mission. But it's also good to, I think, to be very practical as well. And suppose I, I suppose the question I, I have for you, Duncan, are there, um, are there sort of any sort of stories you've got of how you've seen God work through all this? Um, you know, examples that you can share, perhaps, of how God has worked through some of the things that, that Edinburgh City Mission has been involved in, or churches that are part of what you've been doing have done what are, are there any sort of stories you could encourage us with of, of god at work in the inner city there are uh, our, our current newsletter features uh, a lady who went into one of our food banks and um uh you can you can see our newsletter on our website or we can you know if you contact us we'll mail one to you or email one to you or whatever um but tells her her story and uh you know just the impact that generosity had on her um, and prayer and just feeling welcomed uh, at a particularly low point, a really desperate situation in her life. Um, I just, I'll share, this is an email that one of our volunteers sent me. I'll just read this quite quickly as well. Um, she says, uh, we can, we continue to pray for this, this person, but we wonder, are we really making an impact uh, if they haven't come to know Jesus personally? Uh, but keep doing what you're doing. I met a young lady four years ago. We walked and talked and even started a Bible study. However, after the second study, she stopped and said she didn't feel ready for it, but could we continue our friendship? I agreed, and we continued to chat and walk regularly for the next four years. This is a lady who came in through a food bank. Um, then a couple of months ago, my friend asked, could we start the Bible study again? 
obviously because of the current restrictions, we can't meet in person, but we meet via Zoom and are using a precept study book called Having a Real Relationship with God. It is my prayer that she will indeed come to have a personal relationship with God. And that story just speaks to me something about the patience um, that there is involved in this type of work because um, people coming in a food bank, they come in for food. <laughs> they don't come in looking for God. Um, and that's, you know, that's different to uh, maybe people signing up to do courses, Christian courses that we're on or that type of thing. Um, and so to, to, to move from providing them with food to befriending, to sharing Jesus, the bread of life with people, um, can take you know in this story that's that's four years before the lady actually really felt ready to engage with Jesus. So I I found that a really heart heartening story uh, myself. What a glorious story! And I imagine um, being so involved in in people's lives like that is because you're bringing the the totality of yourself into these relationships that it can also be really quite draining. So just uh, a final question from from me before we finish. Duncan, what is it that keeps you motivated in this kind of work year after year? What keeps you going? Yeah, I I mean, as a team, we have regular devotions. And uh, so I guess you've got the mixture of you're, you're, you're being encouraged from reading the Bible together um, and God's word stirs stirs us to action, I think, doesn't it? Um, and then we're carrying each other, we're sharing uh, the concerns and the challenges that we've each got uh, with each other. Um, and I think we're we're seeing momentum. Um, so last year we opened a new food bank. We opened a food and distribution centre in Site Hill. We started a food fund that. Uh, a lot of people have donated to, and we opened a new clothes bank um, this year. We're, and, and we started refugee work this year. We're looking at developing our refugee work quite a bit. Uh, and we're looking at starting a new program, working with older people. So I think, you know, for me, that's very motivational when, as Christians, we've got momentum and things are moving and happening. Um, and I would add to that as well, I think the sense of partnership is fantastic in Edinburgh. Um, so... We have a monthly prayer meeting with all the other uh, Christian agencies in the city, and so we hear what's going on with CAP and with Bethany and with Junction 42, uh, with all these different agencies, and we can uh, help each other and pray for each other. So I think just um, keeping that vision alive of that that, um, as as Christians, we've, we've got something really great to offer. Um, and let's let's spur one another on um, to to keep going for it. Yeah. Amen, brother. I feel like we're just scratching the the surface of, of all the incredible work that that you're involved in. Thank you so much for sharing these stories and and how it is that uh, we can also be involved. I think we're going to put a link on the website um, to Edinburgh City Mission for for some more information. I know that you have some upcoming online mission conferences too, which aren't just restricted to Edinburgh. So we'll we'll put that information out there. But um, for now, just thank you very much for your for your time, Duncan. Thank you so much for joining us you've been a brilliant guest thank you wow <laughs> thanks it's been a pleasure being here and uh, it's been great to have you duncan it's been fantastic thank yeah, you thank you so much so from myself and um andy bannister we will look forward to 
perhaps being with you in two weeks' time uh, when we will have a, another wonderful guest lined up who will be sharing their, their life and ministry with you. Thank you so much for listening today and we look forward to joining you in a couple of weeks' time. Bye.